All right, James chapter 1. Y'all got your Bibles out? Let's get them out. We've been here a while. We're going to stay here a little bit longer. Man, I believe it's going to get good this morning. Man, God is so good. He goes from glory to glory. There's no reason why today can't be better than yesterday. No reason. I want to give a quick shout out for prayer for uh, Burton and Cindy Putman, one of our uh, main Sunday school teachers and families and former deacon and teacher in our community. Their mother and his, her mother and dad had a head-on collision on I-40, uh, and they're okay. They're still, the mom's still in critical condition in Vanderbilt. Dad's already been released. I just ask you to be praying for them. Let me tell you, they pray for you, and they pour their heart out every single week uh, for this church, and I just want to encourage you. Be praying for them. Be reaching out to them uh, this week. Cindy and Burton Putman. All right, James chapter 1, facing trials, right? Anybody facing trials this week? Amen. Everybody say yes. I know you are. Uh, got snow coming. Going to have some trials getting home later on tonight. Uh, but God's got a way for you to get home safely. Amen. God's got a plan for you. Um, facing trials, what did it say? Whenever you're facing various trials, consider it joy. Consider it joy. Why do we consider it joy? Because the testing of our faith produces patience. And do you remember what that word patience means? The patience means endurance. It means perseverance. It means being able to get through something. Knowing that when our trial comes, that it's going to test us and it's going to show us that we can get through it. When we go through it in faith. How do we get faith? We get faith by hearing God's word. You're going to hear it again this morning. But it says, if you lack wisdom in your trial, anyone that lacks wisdom, ask God who gives liberally and without reproach. He's going to give you more than you need without making you feel guilty for asking. He's not going to say, man, what is wrong with you? What a dumb question. No, he's going to give it and give it to you liberally. How many of you need wisdom and need it given liberally? That's God's word. He will do it, but it says to ask without doubting because the person that asks without, that, that doubts gets what? Nothing. He gets nothing. All provision is there for us, but what unlocks the door? Asking. Asking in faith. Asking in faith without doubting. You do that, it says you will receive wisdom. It's a given. You're going to get it. So what do we do? We ask expecting to receive. If we don't, we get nothing. Now, let's start with James chapter 1, verse 9. You got your Bibles out? James chapter 1, verse 9. But let lowly brother glory in his exaltation. Verse 10. But the rich in his humiliation, because as the flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner as the sun rises with burning heat than it withers in the grass, it fl the flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man will also fade in his pursuits. Now, I'm not going to spend much time here, but we've got, to, we've got to touch on this. I want you to notice the two trials that he brings up. Being poor and being rich. Man, is that, is that where we get hit the worst sometimes? Personally, in our marriage, in our families, in our jobs? 
both of these, rich and poor, will test us tremendously. And you know what? It's just flat hard when you've got nothing, isn't it? It's just hard. You feel sorry for yourself. You envy. You covet. You get depressed. You get stressed. You get anxiety. And let me tell you, it is real battles. But you know there are challenges when you're rich. You have the, t- you have the, the opportunity to run from total dependence to depending on yourself, to depending on your money, to depending on your stuff. And do you know that money, the root of money, money, money is the root of all, the love of money is the root of, root of all evil. You know what, sometimes it just takes a minute, but money's in there somewhere and evil's in there, right? But money's not evil. Money's good. God wants to bless you in money. God wants to bless you in your field. God wants to bless you with your kids. God wants to bless everything that's yours. We're going to read here in just a minute that every good and perfect gift comes from God. God wants to bless you. But it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Man, that's a big statement. But you can see here, coming right out of various trials, coming right out of asking for wisdom, James says, not having it and having it. Both are a problem. Both are something that you're going to have to walk through. Because when you have the temptation to turn from total dependence on God, you go from being humble humble, to prideful, which will result in total destruction. However, both can build character if handled according to God's word. The poor can turn their total dependence upon God. I can tell you that sometimes it has, it has taken my weakest moment to realize I've not turned myself completely to God. And you know, sometimes that's the best place I could get because I wouldn't turn there unless I needed to totally depend. And the more I learn to totally depend, the more I learn to not let myself get to the end. Try to let it be my first turn, not my last. That's what James is talking about. When you first hit your trial, turn to God. No matter whether you have everything or you don't, no matter how big the trial is, no matter how small, when you have various trials, count it all joy, knowing that God is going to walk you through it according to his word. Sometimes when we have nothing, it takes us to the point where there is no hope except God. On the other hand, If you can, when you've got money, when you've got riches, you can recognize the blessing of God and turn your heart to thankfulness and bless people, bless the poor and the needy, and position yourself for even more blessing. So let's look at James chapter 1, verse 12. Next verse. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I want you to know this has been a cumulative scripture. We've gone from trials to getting patience to getting wisdom to realize dealing with our money and dealing with not having money. And here comes the result. 
blessed. What is the promised reward for for persevering steadfast in faith? It's the crown of life. He will receive the crown of life. And you know, by the way, this word temptation, this word temptation here in verse 12 is the same Greek word translated trials from the same scripture in in James chapter 1 verse 2. This word temptation. It's, It's the ones who hang in there, who remain steadfast. Under testing will receive the crown of life. And it doesn't just refer to uh, what we have to look forward to in heaven, but also to life here and now, a life more abundant and full and greater. Now, you see here, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Do you remember the very, James chapter 1, the very beginning, I think it's verse 2, consider it joy when you face various trials, that the testing of your faith produces patience endurance, perseverance. Blessed is the one who endures. Do you see that your test when in faith prepares you to endure so that if you can endure, you will receive the crown of life. It is God's intention that as you walk through this, that you endure so that you get the prize. God doesn't want you to start a marathon and not finish right before you get to the end. There's a prize at the end and God wants you to get it. It's his crown. It's not a worldly crown. It is a godly crown. According to his riches. God wants to bless you not according to the world's riches, but according to his riches. His riches, we can't compare to worldly riches. They're incomparable. They're so good. They're so much better. But can you see here the tying together between verse 12 and earlier? Those that endure temptation. How are we going to endure? From the testing of our faith. For when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So let's go back a minute. What is the man who endures temptation? Blessed. Those that can get through their trial in faith according to God's word is going to be blessed. If you go back to Deuteronomy, it says these blessings will find you and overtake you. That's this. These blessings, when we obey his word, we're going to see as Elizabeth shared earlier, when we get to doing his word, we get in line for the blessing. Right? But this word blessed, makarios, sometimes it's the Greek word makarios, sometimes translated happy or prosperous, but it has a much deeper meaning that transcends either of these two English words. It's an enduring condition of a state of joy or a state of joy and satisfaction that's worthy of congratulations. And it describes the distinctive joy that comes through the participation in the divine kingdom. Have you ever been a part of a team that won? And have you ever been a a key participant Maybe you're not the MVP, but you did. Uh, you did participate and you did contribute. And what a, what a sense of accomplishment. What a sense of joy. Do you know that, that you're going to receive that? Blessed. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have this confidence in you that you have just, you've just done something. 
not only have you just endured your trial, but you're ready for the next thing. And you don't even have to go looking for the crown of life. The crown of life will come find you. It says that when you've been tested, what was the scripture? It says that when you have been approved, you will receive the crown of life. You don't have to go looking for it. There doesn't have to be a ceremony. God doesn't have to say, show up to this banquet and I'm going to give you this. Nope, you're going to get it. We don't have to go looking for the blessings. The blessings come looking for us. I love that. I don't have to search for God's blessing. What am I supposed to search for? Wisdom. That's what I search for. You see, you reverse the cart when you search for blessing. Search for wisdom. God's the blesser. He'll take care of the blessing. He'll take care of it. We've got to search for wisdom. So, verse 13. Let's keep going. It's going to get good. Let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 15. Then when his desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might find that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Adversity, trials, temptation, we all experience them. And you know what? They put us in a very vulnerable position. You know, adversity will reveal who you really are. It will bring out of you what you didn't even know was there. How many of you had thought you had dealt with your temper until something came along and there it is again? Uh Uh-oh, I didn't even know that was still there. I couldn't catch myself before these words came out of my mouth. I didn't even know that was in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That was down in there somewhere. And you know what's just happened is God's just revealed it. It's just been revealed to you. Adversity shows down to the core of who you are. Anger, bad attitudes, evil desires that you probably weren't even aware that you had. They rise to the surface and they show their nasty head. If your faith in God is weak and is shaken, if you don't turn to God for strength and follow his wisdom, you are probably, and that's a loose word, I don't even want to say probably, you are going to fall prey to temptation. What is temptation? In the Greek, it means solicitation. You ever been solicited? It's so funny. Um, this is not going to be a great example, but it's the example that I have on my mind right now is Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> they're everywhere, and they're tempting. I could have done without that. I do. I love them, but they're everywhere. And then people come up and ask you, and you feel guilty. These little girls. Will you buy cookies? Yes. And then you go to Walmart and they got tables set up everywhere you go. Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scout cookies. And they wear you down. 
and they wear you down until you get it. And you know what? That's just how sin works. It wears you down. Come on, here's just a little bite, and it's so good. These coconut, chocolate, caramel, Samoas, ooh, they're good. These tagalongs, these thin mints, I can name them all. You know, they, they've done their job. They've done their marketing. It's in there. And I know what they taste like before I get them in my mouth. Mouth just starts watering. But it just tastes good for a moment. And then it's gone. It's gone. It's in my belly. It's getting processed. It's getting tore down. It's getting broken down. It's gone. Sin's good for a moment. It's good for a season. It's not good. Let me rephrase that. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. But it feels good. It appears good for a moment. Temptation is the enticement to do evil. And there's a big difference between trials and temptations. Trials are mountains. Trials are challenges. Trials are tests. Trials are things to go through and to come through victorious, like a team fighting another team. The other team is not evil, per se, but we want to beat that other team. Sin is different. Temptation, on the other hand, is being drawn to do evil or wrong or sin. So why is it impossible for God to solicit anyone to sin? It says in Scripture that God sometimes sends trials. Do you know it does say that, that God will test you? God will test you, but he won't tempt you. He'll send trials, but James emphatically declares that God's perfect holiness removes him from temptation and that he does not solicit you to sin. Verse 17, let's read that one more time. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Not only is God not responsible for human sin, he is the source of all good. He's the source of all good. <laughs> Scripture shows us that the enticement from sin came from the world, from the flesh, from Satan. But where does James place the responsibility of sin? Did you catch that? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Where does James place the responsibility? On us. I can't blame anybody for my sin but me. You know what? If you can stop blaming, you will be one step ahead. James leaves the sinner no excuse. Satan is definitely the external source of temptation, but no one can blame him or the roots of sinful deeds. It lies with us. So wait a minute, pastor. I'm going to show you. Look right here. Romans chapter 6. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. If you continue to read God's word, you will see that God has given you the power over sin. Sin has no right 
over you any longer. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You are equipped to whip sin. Sin is no one else's fault once you're truly saved, but your own. You have the power over sin. Satan does not have that power. It's been removed from him. But each one is tempted. Let's go back to 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Now let's just real quick as I close take a look at the progress of sin. I hope that this is just revelation to you. That you can start to recognize what the problem of sin in your life is. Sin starts. We just saw that each one is tempted when he is drawn by his own desires and enticed. Sin starts in the emotion. It starts with feelings. It starts with a desire. It starts with an enticement to satisfy your need. Or alter feelings by illegitimate means. Do you know you won't sin if you don't let your emotions get a hold of you? But when you have that feeling, when you run into somebody and they look at you funny, an emotion comes. When you get out here on the road and somebody cuts you off, an emotion comes. When you get to work and somebody does something in your life, or you read on Facebook, somebody posts something about you, an emotion comes. And here sits the choice. Have you ever heard Yogi Berra, when you come to a fork in the road, take it? I'll just let that one sit there for a minute. But you have, you have a choice. When your emotion hits, which way are you going to go? Blessing or curses? You choose life or death. God's way or the world's way. When it hits your emotion, where does it go from your emotion? It goes to your mind, where the conception of sin starts. You have a thought. I should do this. This should be my reaction. And you know what's funny? You can justify it. You can talk yourself into it. And you can give yourself a good reason for doing it. Do you know Satan uses God's word sometimes and he uses it perverted? Do you know we can do that? We can take God's word and twist it to to mean what we want it to mean. Don't do that. That's what Satan does. Satan knows the word of God. Do you know that? Read your Bible. The conception of sin, it entertains an idea. It makes plans to carry out the sin, and it rationalizes the sinfulness of sin. Where does it go from there? It goes to the will. And all of a sudden, birthed is the outward act of sin. Once it hits your will, we're in trouble. God's given you a free will. Once it hits your will, it's come from your emotions into your mind, and it's conceived. Now it's a, it's a living, breathing thing, ready to go. It's gotten into your will. You're ready to move outward. It goes then to your body, a pattern of ongoing sin. And you know what? It creates a stronghold over the flesh of your body. 
It starts to take over your body. It starts to take over the health of your body. It starts to take over the direction of your life. It, sin will take over. And then finally, it ends with the whole person, which is death. A seared conscience, a reprobate mind, a diseased body, and spiritual death. You know the worst part about this is? It's a progression away from God. It's a progression outside of the will of God. It's a progression outside of the protection of God. And it starts with how you feel. You know, we like to say don't, don't listen to your feelings, but you need to listen to your feelings and Fight your feelings with the word of God. Elizabeth just said, take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. And bring it under the submission of God. I'm going to be real for a minute and share my Friday morning with y'all. That was a little bit of a disaster. And it's so funny because... We talked about this. I asked him later that day, what are you preaching on? And he said this. And I was like, my goodness, I just walked right through that. Um, But uh, the father-daughter dance was this weekend. And I have three little girls that spend about two months, three months, thinking about what they're going to wear and what their hair is going to look like and who they're going to sit with and, you know, what songs are going to be played. And they love it. They love it. And we, of course, had started buying dresses in January and thinking about hair and shoes and everything else. And um, every year I try to make plans for the girls and Paul to, to be with their friends. And so we are real careful about the night we pick and we want to arrange the table to where they're together with people they know. And Anyways, long story short, Friday morning rolled around and it was the night of the dance. And um, the friend that we had decided the girls would go with. Um, This daddy had two daughters that were our younger two daughters aged. And so Paul was going to sit with with him and his girls and there were going to be other people at the table. But anyways, um, I called her to say, uh, let's let's get this table together. We had to go over there and pick the table. And uh, she said, oh, uh, we're not not with y'all. And I thought, what do you mean you're not with us? You know, we've been talking about this for, I mean, we talked about this before Christmas. You know, we said, you want to go? And uh, she said, well, remember you said, remember you said, she kept saying, remember you said, and in my mind, I'm like, I never, I never said that. I, I never said that. And I kept saying, I, did, I didn't say that. I, and we, what it boiled down to was it was a humongous miscommunication, and it happened on text messaging. Which, how many of you know text messaging? If you're really trying to figure something out, it's not the way to communicate with each other. And so I started recognizing we didn't communicate well. And I said, I think we've had a miscommunication. What happened is he got his tickets, we got our tickets early, and so that that assumption was made that we didn't want to be with him because we already had tickets, which meant we already had a table, which it didn't. Anyways, long story short, we're sitting there Friday morning and don't have our friends. And I've got these little girls who've been counting on this for, you know, months. And I'm telling you, I went, I, my emotions just bottomed. And, and Paul even said, that is so sad. You know, when I told him what was going on. 
And I'm telling you, I, I was so sad. I was so upset. I was angry that it happened. And I went from that moment to in my mind. And how many of you women, I, I don't know, guys, you can probably relate too. I think sometimes I understand. Well, not sometimes. I think I do understand the mind of a woman better. But in your mind, it's like, I'm, I'm like mad at little girls. You know, I'm like, I'm there. I'm there that morning. I am upset. I'm, I, my, it's, it's all falling apart for me. And my mind, I, I'm telling you, I heard the thoughts in my mind when nobody really wanted to be with us. Nobody really did like us. When I started, to, when I started get, trying to find other friends to sit with, Everybody had a friend, and nobody else had asked us. And, you know, in my mind, I start hearing it. They don't really like us. Nobody really wanted to be with us. She really did that on purpose. Isn't that stupid? You know, and I have all these thoughts, and I'm telling you right away, because I am the woman who has been mad at people. I'm the woman who's heard those things in my mind and allowed my will to give birth to sin, to be angry and to be bitter and to be, uh, have unforgiveness. And I'm telling you, I had to make a choice to not be mad. And I had to make a choice to say, I love this woman. I love her. She's a good friend. And her kids love my kids. And I am not going down this road. And you know what I did? I prayed. I asked the Lord for mercy. I asked him for a table of friends. And I didn't even think we'd get it. I did not think we'd get that, but I asked. And, and, and I got a hold of my, my, my will, really. I submitted. I made my mind submit to the Lord. And you know what I did? I called that woman up. And I said, I just want you to know I'm okay. I'm okay. And she said, well, I knew you sounded so sad. You know, I knew that hurt you so bad. I said, I was. I was so sad. But I want you to know I'm okay. And this is okay. And she goes, it's right. We're going to be okay. And they're all going to have a good time. And you know, after they eat, they can just all dance together anyways. You know, it's just getting through the meal. And she was super sweet about it, recognized we had a miscommunication. And you know what? That phone call was more for me. It was for me to not, to not feel weird with her. And, and so I did that. And sure enough, we go over there. And I want you to know, we had great favor. The woman recognized him. She brought him up to the front of the line and said, what, what do you need to do? She said, who are you sitting with? And, and I said, well, our plans fell through. We were supposed to be with so-and-so. And she goes, oh, you know what? They just have eight people at their table, and, and there's room for four more. Because we have four. It's not like we just have two. We have three girls and him. And they have them at a 12-top. And so there were room for my people. There were room for my girls, and there was room for my husband. And you know what I thought? That's, that may sound like a crazy thing to you this morning, but you know what? God made a way for us. And most importantly, I submitted my thought life to him. I did not allow myself to have a broken relationship, to be mad, to be angry. I submitted myself to God. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm telling you, it's hard to do. But I did it, and God honored it. And he made a way for my girls. He made a way for my husband. And my girls, it was like it just never even happened. It was just a perfect night. And so I want to encourage you, if you're in that road, go ahead and get a hold of your emotions. Get a hold of your mind. Get a hold of the thoughts because the enemy is lying to us. And he's putting thoughts in our mind about our friends and about our family. And he's trying to make you think negative thoughts. 
And don't think on those things. Take those thoughts captive and submit them to God. Just go ahead and, and pray. watch Him do a mighty thing. Okay, Let me just say, too, before she prays, it says in Scripture, be angry, but don't sin. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, that sounded like a great story. She was angry. Mm -hmm. I was angry. Mm -hmm. We were extremely concerned and disappointed. But what she did was she stopped it at the mind. Mm -hmm. The emotions were there. We don't want to say we have to completely <clears throat> push down our emotions. God's giving you, given you emotions. Mm -hmm. He's given you, you know, God, God has emotions. God was moved with compassion. When God cleared out, when Jesus cleared out the uh, temple, he was angry. He didn't like what he saw. He didn't sin. He cleaned it up. But I want to encourage you. Because you get angry, you haven't stepped over the line yet. Get a hold of that anger and do the right thing. Before Elizabeth prays, you may already be all the way to the end. That may be where you are. Stop now. Stand up and stop now, God can rescue you from the pit of hell. You may be all the way in the pit of hell. Well, I want you to know there is hope. There is hope, but you've got to turn. You've got to turn. Go ahead. Yes, I agree. And you know what? I've been in that other place, too. I've let that anger and that bitterness take root in my life and been all the way over to where it's destroy, destroying my whole person. And so don't feel like if you're there this morning, you're the first one who ever got there. Because I got there, and God redeemed me out of that spot too. And so he I've been there too. You. Yeah, it happens. And so let's not go there this morning. And I think sometimes you may look and say, you know what? I'm not friends with that person anymore, and it was something stupid like what happened to me Friday morning. And you think, what happened? And so let's pray together. So, Father God, we do just come now. And, Lord God, we just pray right now. We're just asking you to show us areas in our life, Lord God, where we allowed um, our emotions to lead us, where we allowed those thoughts that entered our mind to take root in our hearts. And, Father God, right now we just ask you to cleanse us. Yes. And so, Holy Spirit, right now we're just going to take a minute and we're just going to pause and we're just going to listen. And we just say, show us, God. Yes, Lord. Show us, Lord God, what's in our hearts and any area that you desire to clean up. So just show us that now as we just pause before you, God. Now, Father God, right now with that, with that, what you're showing us, Lord God. We just bring it to you, and we just lay it at your feet, and we just ask you to have your way. Lord God, we come, and we bow down before you, and we ask you to clean us up like only you can do. And Lord God, right now, we just begin to release that anger, Lord God, we release that unforgiveness we release those people God and we 
just ask you to move in reconciliation. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We're laying it down before you this morning. We forgive. Lord God, I thank you that you would pour your love right now out in our hearts and that we could love. We could love. Help us love. We love because you first loved us. Pour your love in our hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I just encourage you, if you've got a place in your life that you need prayer, come forward this morning. Come forward and lay it down. Let this be the day that you lay it down. Lay it down today. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we're praying. Amen. If y'all will stand up, those that are ministering with me, if y'all would come forward, step out this morning and let us pray with you. Maybe it's to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that. Well, today is the day. Maybe it's to forgive somebody of, a, of an anger, of a frustration that you've held for your whole life. Once you know, Scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Part of that resisting is for you to say, I forgive. Satan has got a hold on you because you won't forgive. And part of your resistance this morning is to say, I forgive. Would you do that this morning? We want to pray with you. Maybe you have a health issue. Maybe you've got a battle you're going through. We want to pray with you. Just step out in faith this morning as we sing. Here I am once again. I pour out my heart for I know that you hear. Every cry you are listening, no matter what state my heart is in, you are faithful to answer with words that are true and a hope that is real. And I feel your touch, for you bring a freedom to all that's within in the safety of this place i'm longing to pour out my heart say that i love you pour out my heart say that i need you pour out my heart say that i'm thankful pour out my heart say that you're wonderful Sometimes it's the hardest thing to do is to forgive. Forgive them because Jesus forgave you. Forgive them because the Word of God says if you don't forgive, God won't forgive. We need to be free. We need to be free. It says that if you don't forgive, that your prayers won't be answered. It's time to get free. It's time to not allow our emotions to drive us anymore but for us to be driven by the word of God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. Lord, I pray for breakthrough, that even before I preach it, that we would start to do your word. We wouldn't just hear your word, we would do your word. Lord, I thank you that the testing of our faith is going to produce patience.
And Lord, that once we've been tried, that you're going to bless us with the crown of life. Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night.